Can it be that tomorrow's heavy industries will be located where the sun shines stronger and longer and the wind blows night and day? And how will climate-friendly policies change the international division of labor in energy-intensive industries? This is what we want to discuss today in our sixth episode of Shaping Sustainable Supply Chains. I'm Nicholas Martin. Thank you for listening. Heavy industries such as iron and steel or chemicals are among the biggest energy consumers. According to the World Economic Forum, global heavy industry and transport account for almost one-third of global CO2 emissions. In Germany, the direct emissions of the chemical steel and cement industries alone make up one-eighth of total greenhouse gas emissions. But... Politicians in Germany have decided that climate neutrality has to be reached until 2045. The heavy industry obviously has to contribute to reach this aim. But to get there, a massive expansion of renewable energy is needed. In today's episode, we shed light on a topic that has received little public attention. The possible restructuring of global supply chains. We speak with two scientists who believe that the increasing focus on carbon-neutral energy production could change the division of labor. If green energy sources like wind or solar play an increasingly important role, then the heavy industries could go where wind and sun is available at low cost. The new phenomena is known as the renewables pull. And to dive into this topic, we have with us Sasha Samadi. He is an economist and senior researcher at the Wuppertal Institute for Climate, Environment and Energy, where he works in the Department for Energy and Industrial Systems of the Future. Great to have you with us, Sasha. Thanks, Nicolas. Happy to be here. And with us is also Clemens Schneider. He's working in the same department and focuses on industrial systems. Good to have you on the show, Clemens. Great to talk to you, Nicolas. You both and the Wuppertal Institute have established the term renewables pull. Before we discuss the meaning and the consequences in depth, I have a more general question for you. Politicians want to make the heavy industry climate neutral. So how big is that challenge? How much additional electricity from renewables would be needed to make only the steel sector in Germany climate neutral? Clemens, what do you think? Yeah, we calculated uh, this for a study and we think that 130 terawatt hours would be required for steel only. So, and this is equal to the amount we had available from wind energy in Germany in 2020. So that's the amount we are, we are talking of. And for 2045, uh, we would need 10,000 additional windmills only for the steel industry with an average capacity of 4 megawatt. So, so that's a lot, I think. So only for the steel industry, we would need to double the already existing infrastructure. No, it's, it's half of it. It's half of the electricity production we have available from renewables today, only for the steel industry. And for petrochemicals, to make them fossil-free, we would need another 
300 terawatt hours uh, of renewable electricity. And this would be equal to? That would be another 25,000 windmills. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so we would need a lot just for these two industries. Wow. Thank you, Clemens, for that perspective. One more thing. Today's podcast will be divided into three parts. I will first talk to Sascha about the renewables pull phenomena and then dive with Clemens into possible consequences for the steel industry. And at the end, we want to discuss to what extent the renewables pull phenomena can be a chance for developing countries and a risk for industries in Germany. So, Sasha, if we look at the heavy industries, the German government wants to replace fossil energy with green electricity and green hydrogen. Could you quickly explain what green hydrogen is and why is it important for your study or to understand your study? Sure. Well, let me start by saying that uh, green electricity will certainly be the main source of energy in the future. That's just because we have a large potential in Germany, but also in other countries, uh, especially of wind power and solar PV. And the costs are relatively low. They have uh, gone down considerably in the past years. And the direct use of this electricity is generally preferable because it's the most efficient way to use this form of renewable energy. However, we cannot do everything with electricity. We will still need gases, energy carriers in the future uh, for some applications where we simply cannot use electricity. And uh, in industry, steel production is an example for this because we simply do not yet know how to make steel by using electricity. There is some research going on, um, but it's still in its infancy. So we do know, however, how to make primary steel by using either natural gas or hydrogen. And that's exactly where green hydrogen comes into play. Green hydrogen is made of green electricity, so of renewables-based electricity, using electrolysis. And by doing that, we can generate hydrogen. And this hydrogen then is virtually climate neutral. So in the future, we are pretty sure that we will need both green electricity and green hydrogen uh, to reach a climate neutral industry sector. Mm. So we've already touched upon that you and your colleagues at the Wuppertal Institute invented the term renewables pool. Could you explain in a few words, always difficult, what is meant by that? Yes, I will try. So while we've had differences in the cost of renewables in the past between countries, these have not yet been relevant for industry because so far industry has used almost exclusively fossil fuels. But in the future, this will change. The main reason is for uh, climate protection reasons. And so we believe it is likely uh, that in the coming years and decades, industry will increasingly use green electricity and green hydrogen. And so those parts of the world where this green electricity and green hydrogen can be produced most efficiently and at lowest cost will become more attractive for industry. So it is likely that some industrial production could move from current locations, for example, Western Germany, to other locations with better renewable conditions, um, for example, Scandinavia or Australia, perhaps also North Africa. So these good renewables conditions could pull in industrial production. Um, and that's why we coined the term uh, renewables pull. So why are you and your colleagues so convinced that the renewables pull phenomena might influence decision making in the heavy industries? Well, um, in the past, fossil fuel based industrial production has almost always been cheaper, but we're convinced this will change. So that's why 
renewable energy sources will become increasingly important in the future for industrial production. But these renewable energy sources, we already mentioned electricity and hydrogen as the main sources in the future, they are very difficult to transport. Um, so today, industry is using lots of coal, and this coal can relatively easily be transported uh, over long distances. With electricity, we do not have this comfortable situation. We can only use electricity in short distances or transport it over short distances. And with uh, hydrogen, while it is possible to move it from one part of the world to another, that is very difficult and very very cost intensive because we are, um, need to change the hydrogen into other forms that are more easily transportable, making it liquid or transforming it into ammonia. We need additional systems to do this and we have energy losses in this process. So that is why it will become more difficult in the future to transport renewables-based energy from one part of the world to another. And that's one main reason why renewables pool could become effective. It could be cheaper for industry to relocate instead of importing these renewables-based energy carriers. Mm. You say the cost of renewables might be an important location factor for the industries, but do you think or don't you think that other factors might still be important in the future, like the cost of labor, education and other location factors? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a good point. Even for energy-intensive industries, for, for these industries, of course, the costs of energy is very important. But even for these industries, energy costs are just one of many relevant location factors. Um, as you said, there are many others, for example, political and legal stability, close proximity to consumers. Close proximity to supplying companies, we need qualified labor in industries, and of course also low unit labor costs are uh, of interest for industries. So many countries with strong renewable energy conditions lack good conditions in other location factors. And this multi-factor nature of decisions about locations make it very difficult to assess exactly how strong the renewables pool phenomenon will actually be in the future. So we're still not certain how much of an effect it will have because there are so many other factors at play. So far, we are talking about assumptions for the future, but do you already have empirical evidence for the renewables pull? Did you observe that it has already affected companies? Well, we're still at the beginning of our research and we cannot say we have found clear empirical evidence that renewables pull is at play. But we have seen in the past few years a number of decisions and announcements by companies that indicate that renewables pool uh, might already be at work. For example, BMW has recently announced that it is purchasing aluminium produced from solar-based electricity from a company in the United Arab Emirates. So um, the company wants to lower its CO2 footprint of the cars that it's producing, and apparently it sees a possibility to import aluminum from a place with very good solar conditions. That might be renewables pool at play. And another example is the production of hydrogen-based steel in Sweden. We've already talked about the possibility to produce steel based on hydrogen. And in northern Sweden, we have seen the construction of the world's first hydrogen-based direct reduction plant. Because in northern Sweden, we have high availability of hydropower and wind power at relatively low costs. Mm. Um, and we are seeing that Elki AB, which is a company in Sweden that is producing iron ore, has recently announced plans to um, have all the iron ore of its mining being processed in Sweden in uh, hydrogen-based direct reduction plants. So that's their plan. They do not 
want to export iron ore as they're doing now, but they want to process it in Sweden using this new technology, uh, using the cheap renewables that are available. And they then want to export the product direct reduced iron to other countries for further processing. So this would also be a case of renewables pool, possibly. Mm. Thanks, Sasha. Great example. I think what you just said about Sweden is already a starting point for our focus on the steel industry and the impacts of the renewables pool. Clemens, let's look at the steel industry. We've already heard, uh, Sasha mentioned the abbreviation DRI, direct reduced iron. Could you quickly explain why this could be the game changer when looking at the steel industry and its CO2 emissions? Yeah, let's look first at the predominant route we are using today. So 90% of the world's primary steel production, and it's also equal to 70% of the total steel production in the world, is based on coking coal used in the blast furnace route. And here in this route, the oxygen from the iron ore is removed by reacting with carbon mainly. And with DRI, we could use hydrogen as a reducing agent. So at the moment, it's the only way to produce iron without carbon that is available on the market. And we already have these DRI plants at place. They are operated with natural gas, mainly in the Iran or in the US, and they are already competitive. So the technology is available to produce iron together with natural gas and as a reducing agent. And Sasha mentioned this new plant in Sweden, which already uses hydrogen as a reducing agent. And we see that it's the predominant technologies or the preferred technologies of the European steel producers in their plans to transform their, their sites. Looking again at the renewables pool, do you think it is likely that companies and even governments will follow the example of Sweden and relocate their production of iron? At the moment, uh, the first movers we see, they do not go abroad, so I would say. So they get pressure from their governments or down their value chain. And these, these established producers, they have vast know-how and they have a lot of uh, plants, uh, special plants, not only the steel production, but it's also about hot rolling, cold rolling and special treatment. They are now looking for one component of their internal value chain. They want to, to change it. And this is the process of reduction. And actually, at the moment, uh, there's no hydrogen-based DRI on the market. Sweden will come with it if they realize their plans. And so it's sensible now for the steel producers, the first movers, that they strive for political support in their own countries and their home markets uh, to enable such a green production. Mm. So they are striving for secure and cheap hydrogen supply mainly. That, that's, mm. that's the point there. You're touching a field which is one of the buzzwords today, resilience, uh, the strength of supply chains. What role do you think the political circumstances such as energy independence will play in that field? Yeah, in a political discussion, uh, we clearly see this argument. And it's not only about energy independency, but it's also about secure value chains in the steel industry. So we've seen that the German government has uh, published an industrial strategy uh, last year, and it plainly states that steel industry is of strategic 
importance for the German industry as a whole. Mm. The steel industry themselves, they say that it's important uh, to have an integrated production mainly for energy reasons, for energy efficiency reasons. You can save mm. energy if you produce at one site and not separate it around the world. So, But on the other hand, we are convinced that there will be a takeoff for hydrogen-based steel making in the 2030s at the latest. And I think then we will be at a crossroads and have to decide, will we import hydrogen? Uh, and the hydrogen will be, uh, because of the high transport costs for hydrogen, it will be not as cheap as in other uh, regions in the world. So you're saying 2030s, we will stand at crossroads, import hydrogen or direct reduced iron. Yeah. How, how do you think this will change the industry then? Um, yeah, I think they will be really under pressure from the OPEX side, so from the operational costs side. Yeah, And therefore, it will be sensible for the steel industry in the long run, I think, to use more scrap in Europe, which will be available. The availability will increase in the future. And on the other hand, to go for imported DRI, which can be produced in a cheap way outside. And this could strengthen then the competitiveness of the European steel industry. But on the other hand, we have an, uh, a new dependency from the world market, of course. What do you think, Clemens, if we take as granted that the DRI production will take place somewhere else? Could it happen that other industries that are part of the steel value chain, let's say, for example, the auto industry, will follow, will go produce somewhere else? I think in the midterm, I do not see such a pressure. So we see that established steel producers that have their market in the high quality steel market like for example the european automotive industries i think that they will be able to keep up steel production and uh, we see that the automotive industry in europe is adapting to the new challenges they face but of course we see that the, the automotive industry is changing and of course there will be new markets for cars in africa for example and these new markets for cars, yeah, they will be quite far off from Japan, from South Korea or Germany. So these are the main car exporters today. Mm. And I think for these countries with new markets for cars, for example, that it could be sensible for these countries to establish a secure and cheap steel production to attract investments. Um, so I think for new markets, it is likely that investments will take place outside the traditional car exporting countries. Okay. Thank you, Clemens, for that insight. So let's open up for a little discussion. What do you both think would be the impact of an exodus of the German DRI production? And how far would it change our supply chain dependency? Yeah, we have to take into account that the primary steel production in Germany is already very dependent. So we have oligopolistic markets on the side of iron ore and on the other side of coking coal. Both are oligopolistic markets, few exporting countries, few companies. And so we are already very dependent. But of course, with the, the discussion about renewables, we have always this uh, story of getting more independent from resource-rich countries. And so with this situation of importing DRI, we could just replace one dependency with another. 
So uh, from that perspective, it's not such a good story. But on the other hand, it's a situation we are already used to. And in Germany, we have not the resources and we have to import. It's either hydrogen or it will be DRI. Mm. Um, so <laughs> that's, that's the question, uh, where to go for. Yeah. And as usual with import dependency, I would say that it is important to not be dependent on a low number of suppliers. So I think as long as we are able to choose from a sufficient number of suppliers of DRI, then the risk is relatively low. And I think this is likely to be the case because as Clemens mentioned before, there are quite a few countries that have good resources to produce DRI in the future. And also in addition, um, of course, it is feasible for Germany to find ways to ensure that a minimum share of its DRI needs will still be produced domestically. This could be, uh, for security reasons, perhaps a, a, a goal of, of policymakers to achieve this. Yeah, and I think therefore it's also sensible to have that first movers here in Europe erecting DRI plants. It makes sense from that perspective. Mm -hmm. So do you think that Germany as a country with high energy costs and inadequate renewable energies should worry about the, the renewables pull phenomena? Um, yeah, I would not say that Germany needs to worry too much, but I do believe a country like Germany needs to take this phenomena um, seriously um, and plan ahead. Because while there are some steps in the value chains of heavy industry which will likely move to other parts of the world, at least to some extent, um, I think Germany should make efforts to prevent other parts of the value chains uh, to move, especially those downstream parts um, that could, in theory, be affected through knock-on effects. We already talked about the auto industry. So I think Germany should make efforts to prevent such knock-on effects and strengthen its value chains and, and the conditions in Germany that we also mentioned already. There are so many other important factors for industry to be here. And as long as we strengthen these other factors, and um, I think we will not see a very strong loss of industry. And one possibility could be to cooperate with other countries to create new cross-national supply chains. So to, to cooperate with those countries that have um, good renewables conditions. Um, and by that, we can make sure that German industry benefits from low-cost production in these countries and then also produces um, more products here in, in Germany in the downstream part of industry. Um, mm. And at the same time, there are possibilities to um, prevent renewables pool to some extent, I think, for Germany. And one issue is to simply fully exploit the uh, potential, the, the renewable energy potential that we have in Germany and Europe, um, and mm -hmm. also to build infrastructure for the low-cost transport of green energy. If we can get green energy at relatively low costs, this advantage uh, of other countries uh, becomes smaller. Um, for example, if we build hydrogen pipelines throughout Europe, then this can reduce the costs of production here in Germany. Mm. The car industry, for example, in Germany, they are very dependent now on primary steel because of quality issues. But if they develop a car which could made from recycled material, that could also improve the situation for them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because primary steel would be much more expensive, even if it's produced uh, elsewhere or in the world. Uh, then we know it today. And so these relations will also change. Uh, and I think it will be sensible to go for more recycled material and secondary production. Because then the dependency of the imports just decreases, right? 
Yeah, it would be decrease. Uh, we have a lot of scrap available uh, in Europe. And uh, at the moment, we export it. We export it to countries like Turkey, for example, who have a lot of infrastructure they are building up at the moment. But in the future, it would be good for Europe to develop circular strategies to make use of the resources we have, and that's scrap. Mm -hmm. This focus on a circular economy um, in general, not just with steel, but also with other products, will have the potential to help us avoid a, a strong renewables pull effect, I believe. So in general, smart mm. energy and industrial policy can probably allow Germany to remain a successful location for industrial activity. Some things might change, but in general, we do not think that we will become a country without any industry. Mm. And the circular economy is one of the core policy agendas of the European Union, as far as I know. Um, but well, at the end of the day, let's see how it's actually then incorporated, right? Let's change the perspective one more time. And how far do you think renewables pull could be a game changer for developing countries that have a lot of sun and a lot of wind? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, we are also planning to look closer into this issue. In generally, I, I'm not sure I would call it a game changer, but for sure it is one opportunity for many developing countries. However, as we already mentioned, there are many other key location factors and Many of these location factors will have to improve in many developing countries to give them a chance to benefit from renewables pool. So I think some developing countries are likely to benefit from renewables pool in the future, but probably not all. And other work has to be done in these countries. But definitely, I would recommend developing countries to aim to attract industrial production. Those renewables rich countries should not only aim to become exporters of energy, but should try to attract industrial production. We've seen in the past how important it is for countries to develop their own industry instead of just exporting energy carriers. Clemens, you want to add on that? No, Sasha made the points. <laughs> Thank you, Sasha. <laughs> okay. So today we've mainly talked about the renewables pull phenomena and the steel industry. I know we cannot talk about that in depth, but what do you think could be other supply chains that might be more sensitive to the renewables pull than even the steel industry? What do you think? Sasha already mentioned this example of BMW and the aluminium industry. So the aluminium industry producing aluminium with electricity. So here we're talking mm -hmm. about electricity and not hydrogen. Um, I think easily affected. And it will be very fast, I think, the development there. And on the other hand, we have the chemical industry. What is fast in years? <laughs> I think uh, the 2020s will already see some effects. But mm -hmm. I'm quite convinced of that. And uh, perhaps it's the same in uh, the chemical industry for ammonia. Mm -hmm. uh, ammonia is produced from hydrogen. So there the hydrogen is really used as a material and it's incorporated in the product. And green ammonia production, this has already been highlighted by the International Energy Agency as an option for developing countries to create uh, a new value chain. So if they ramp up their agricultural production and need fertilizers, then they also need ammonia. And uh, so this is an option. And if they have uh, renewable electricity potentials, they can go for it. 
Well, thank you, Clemens, for those insights. And thank you, Sasha, for um, the insights into the phenomena of the renewables pull. Was great talking to you. Was great talking about this phenomena that might impact supply chains of the near future. That's it for this episode, the Renewables Pull Climate Neutrality and Supply Chains. I was talking to Clemens Schneider and Sascha Samadi from the Wuppertal Institute for Climate, Environment and Energy. Thank you both for joining this podcast. Thanks. It was our pleasure, Nicolas. Yeah, thank you, Nicolas, for the invitation. We will be back next year with a brand new episode of Shaping Sustainable Supply Chains. Then we will talk about how global suppliers are increasingly concentrated in Asia, despite international rhetoric about bringing industry back home. That's it for today. I'm Nicholas Martin. Be safe. <laughs> <laughs>